Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, um, as you might imagine, this was a, a difficult message to put together this week um, with the events that have been happening in, in our country and around the world. Um, you know, we come into the series with kind of material already prepared, and so you have to kind of ask yourself the question, how much do we stick to the material that we had and the direction that we had plan to go and how much do we address uh, what's going on in our, our current cultural climate. And uh, in addition to that, as a general rule at Awaken, we very rarely uh, speak about politics, not because we don't want our people to be involved with politics. We, we absolutely do. But we feel that it, it's inappropriate uh, to support particular candidates or particular political parties or platforms. Um, instead, we want to see people discipled in such a way that they resemble Jesus and that they care about the things that Jesus cared about. And so they go about building the kingdom of God in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, in their communities, and yes, even working to do so politically. Um, but I'm going to be breaking that rule uh, this week. Uh, for three reasons, two of which are worth mentioning and are very important, and the third one, which is the main reason. Um, and so uh, I want to share those with you for um, in the interest of transparency. Uh, the first reason that I'm going to be breaking that rule is that if you call Awaken Your Home, um, to whatever extent you've looked at us as a leadership and said, I trust these people with my spiritual formation, and I grant them uh, a certain amount of voice into my life and the life of my family. And there are a lot of people out there that care very deeply and personally about what's going on right now in the United States uh, and across the world. And I would never want silence uh, on those issues to be misinterpreted as indifference among our leadership about those things. Um, the second reason is kind of the ugly flip side of that same coin. Um, there are also a lot of people, uh, out there that hold, um, ideologies that are harmful and that would steal the dignity of other people who are also created and bear the image of God. And while those certain ideologies, uh, may fit and go unchallenged in their respective echo chambers, uh, their political affiliations, and, and maybe, unfortunately, even some of the more prominent voices within American Christianity, uh, we want to be clear that they have absolutely no place in the kingdom of God. And I would never want uh, silence on those issues from our leadership uh, to embolden those who hold harmful ideologies to feel like they are commonplace or that they are anything other than entirely mutually incompatible with embodying the presence, embodying the presence of God uh, in the world today. Uh, as I said, both of those are worth mentioning, um, but the real reason for for breaking that rule this week is simple, uh, and that's that racial justice should not be a political issue. Um, the manner in which we choose to address racial justice may be a political issue, but injustice itself ought not to be a political issue. Um, I'm reminded of, of just a little uh, over a year ago when we experienced the mass shooting here in Virginia Beach uh, at the Municipal Center. 
And the very next night in our worship gathering, uh, we included as, as part of that, that worship a litany for victims of, of gun violence, not, not too dissimilar from what was included as, as part of the worship of this video. And um, there were people that were present that night who did not return to Awaken afterwards. And while I'm saddened by that, we felt similarly that the eradication of gun violence should not be a political issue. Um, by comparison, right, gun control could be construed as a political issue. Gun violence ought not to be. Um, and so likewise, the manner in which we choose to approach racial justice might be a political issue, but the need for it ought not to be. Um, there is no place for racial injustice within the kingdom of God, full stop. And if that statement creates tension within you, um, I would welcome the opportunity for us to sit down together over scripture and uh, hopefully a drink, because I feel like I would probably need it and try to get to the root of, of why that is. Um, and so with all of that in mind, uh, we are going to finish up our Illuminate series that we've been going through the book of First John. We're going to finish up by taking a look at chapter five. Uh, we're actually going to sit uh, just with a few verses at the beginning of it, uh, and in the interest of time, since I've already used up a good amount of it, uh, we're going to read those verses together, and then I'm going to go through and highlight uh, three important takeaways that I think uh, speak to where we are uh, culturally um, right now. And so uh, let's read together, starting in verse one, we're going to go through verse one through verse five. And so this is what it says. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so in verse 1, uh, John states that if you want to be born of God, you have to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, if I want to claim to be a Christian, I have to make Christ the center. Uh, if you want to get kind of theology nerd with it, right? There is no Christianity without Christocentricity, right? Christ at the center. Um, this may seem obvious to you, uh, but I promise you it's not as obvious as you, as you might think it would be. Um, many of you know, recently I was taking classes at a, at a Christian university and in interacting with, with the other students that were there, I was regularly amazed at how much their belief structures and specific their understandings of God uh, did not reflect the ways, the words, and the works of Christ at the center. Um, in John chapter 14, uh, this is the, the gospel of John, right? Not the letter, 1 John, that we've been going through, but in the gospel of John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples that if you know me, you will know my father as well. Just a few verses later, uh, he, he repeats to them, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And this is right after uh, that very well-known uh, passage where, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And, and I feel like most of the time when we think about this, we think about that as, a, as, a, as an exclusivity claim, right? Of saying, I am the only way. There's no, there's no way to get to, to, to God except by me. Um, 
And I think it might be better understood less as an exclusivity claim and more as an invitation. Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the method, I am the means by which you will come to the Father. Uh, but in order to do so, in order for us to be born of God, as it says in 1 John, we must keep the ways, the words, and the works of Jesus at the center. The problem with that is that here in America, there is this nominal cultural Christianity uh, where there are many who claim to be Christian, but when you kind of dissect it, when you examine it, you kind of find a mix of traditional family values, some nationalism and like a sprinkle of prosperity gospel and no actual Jesus at all. Um, if the church is going to have a voice in this current cultural moment and speak to things like racial injustice in our country, we have to reject this empty cultural Christianity and keep the ways, words, and works of Jesus at the center. Um, next, also in verse one, John writes uh, that everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. So uh, verse one, a, if you keep Christ at the center, you are born of God, you are his child. And one B, you can't love the father without loving his children. Right. So these, these, these go hand in hand. Um, you guys know, uh, or most of you, uh, I assume know, uh, that I'm a new father. Uh, I shamelessly used her in my welcome video last week. So I knew I would hold your guys attention because she's far, far cuter than I am. Um, and so my, my daughter is going to be six months old next week and, uh, only being a father for six months, I can tell you that if you, uh, if we have a relationship, you and I, we, we, uh, uh, are intimate, you claim to love me and you treat my child like dirt we have a problem. Um, you can't claim to love God the Father unless you are also loving his children. Uh, again, going from the letter of First uh, John back to the Gospel of John, in John chapter 13, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for one another is the primary way that we should be identified as the people of God. And once again, we see this playing out in our, our current cultural moment. As I, as I mentioned, Heather and I have just one child, uh, Kaylin, but we do plan to have more. Um, I don't know exactly when that will be, <laughs> as that likely uh, will involve a move for us as well. Even now, the, the room that I'm, I'm recording this in is part office, part music room, part nursery. Um, but uh, down the road where we to have multiple children. And again, you as someone who has relationship with me and claims to love me, if you only treated some of my children well, uh, and neglected others, again, we would have a problem. Um, a friend of mine who I hold an incredible amount of respect for who I won't name cause I didn't okay this story with him. Um, he, uh, uh, got married, had a kid, but also married someone who had two children. And so he had a, a child that was his biologically and also two stepchildren. And it was also, it was incredibly important to him that there be no division and no separation between his biological child and, and his stepchildren, even to the point where when his own parents would send gifts to his uh, daughter, to his, to his biological child, if they did not include also gifts for his stepchildren, uh, he would send them back and say, until you are willing to care for all of my children, um, because I see no divine, uh, no divisions and no lines, uh, that I'm not interested in you caring for one, unless you're going to accept all of them as, as, as my children. Um, 
it's an incredible story, one that uh, that only uh, elevated the respect that I have uh, for him. But the, the, it also reminds me of the way that the people of God should be compelled to create community, where, as the, the video mentioned earlier, where all are free, everybody is free to live into the abundant life that Jesus calls us to. And until all are able to experience that freedom, uh, until we're able to create community where that freedom is available to everybody, then our communities do not fully represent the kingdom of God. Finally, uh, one last takeaway in, in verse three that we, that we read. John writes that loving God means keeping his commands. Uh, John here is reiterating things that he has uh, already covered in, in previous chapters that we've looked at. Uh, in 1 John 2 that we read a few weeks ago, John writes, whoever says I know him uh, of Jesus, whoever says I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Um, you've probably heard me make the comparison before uh, between fans of Jesus versus followers of Jesus. And this is where that distinction takes place. Being a Christ follower means more than simply being a fan of Jesus and the things that he stood for. It means that you are actually following the things that he taught and practicing those things in your life. It means actually following uh, Jesus. Uh, once again, uh, speaking to events taking place this week, as, as the people of God, we must recognize that uh, throughout Jesus's life that we read in the gospels and, um, and the entirety of scripture, we have to recognize God's heart for the voiceless, uh, the oppressed and the marginalized. Once again, if we claim just a nominal cultural Christianity without our lives and actions reflecting God's heart for those on the margins, uh, then we have once again fallen short of the kingdom of God. And so, uh, as a way of wrapping up, I want to leave you with a, with a few questions, some things that you can discuss. I know this has been kind of short and sweet and to the point, but um, that's what I felt like God laid on my heart this week. So I've got a, a few questions uh, to kind of help continue to guide discussion uh, after uh, watching this video, uh, that this would just be something that sparks more conversation and creates more opportunities for the spirit to move, uh, to disrupt and reveal and to... Um, yeah, and to create fruit through those conversations that you'll have with your family and with your missional communities. And so I've got three questions. Uh, first one, where in the Gospels do we see Jesus reflecting a heart for those on the margins? And where else in Scripture do we see this element of God's character reflected? So it's a two-part question. First, where in the Gospels do we see Jesus reflecting a heart for those on the margins? And then... Second part, where else in scripture do we see this element of God's character reflected? That's the first question. Uh, question two, uh, this is where it gets a little more personal. We're going to reflect. We're going to look inward, right? Uh, second question is, does your life show more than just a cultural Christianity, but true obedience to the ways, words, and works of Jesus? Again, does your life show more than just a cultural Christianity, but true obedience to the ways, words, and works of Jesus? Finally, this last one is actually less of a question uh, and more of an action step. Um, uh, there's a lot that is going on in our, our world right now. There's a lot that this may have brought up. There's, um, a lot that, uh, a lot of conversations happening and not all of them are, 
um, healthy and productive. Um, Social media is not the ideal place to have these kinds of conversations. And yet, um, not only is it prevalent, but in our socially distanced world, it's kind of become even more of a a method by which these conversations are taking place. And so as a challenge step, uh, I want to challenge you to choose a trusted person in your missional community or elsewhere in your life to have a conversation sharing how you both are processing our current cultural moment. Again, conversation that's both speaking and listening, a dialogue, right? So choose a trusted person in your missional community or elsewhere to have a conversation sharing how you are both processing our current cultural moment. I hope that these questions, again, just create opportunities for the spirit to move, for him to, to spark even more conversation around um, what it means to uh, reflect God's heart for those on the margins, what it means to love him by loving his children, all of his children, not just uh, the ones that it's easy or that we feel comfortable uh, showing love to. And what does it mean to, um, to not just reflect a cultural Christianity, but to really, truly live out um, the way the words and the works of Jesus in our lives um, so that it's evident uh, in the world around us. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Uh, Please continue to uh, be safe. Uh, We love you and we'll see you uh, this week.